in the ceramics, Japan, everybody uses ceramic plate and bowls and things. And when we eat, we have rice bowl and the soup bowl, which is usually wood. And also we have a small plate to pick it from big plate. We usually have a few big plate and everybody pick from one plate. So we have so many ceramics and we have、uh, things to put the chopstick on. And we usually use chopstick for everything. So I realized I cook food for、uh, my family. And my husband can use a chopstick, my kids can use a chopstick, but、uh, my in laws are not good at it. So then they use the forks. The Japanese ceramics have a lot of variety. For the glaze, I think, have more rough textures. But in here, if I use that, the fork will scratch it and it make noise. So I don't know what we are eating, but one day, like, I realize everybody is making so much noise. <laughs> like, I have to eat the American food in order to make a tableware for Americans. Welcome to Hello Atelier. I'm your host, Betsy Blodgett, and with me is producer Jonathan Getz. Hello. Before we talk with this week's guest, Momoko Asami, I just want to let everyone know that this is the last episode of season four of the podcast. So we will be taking a little break, but we'll be back before you know it. Also, thanks to Patricia and Emily for signing up as new patrons on Patreon. You guys are superstars! And your rewards are on the way. Thanks. So, a few weeks ago, I was having coffee with ceramicist Evie Inglesos. Evie, also known as episode 26 of Hello Atelier. Evie is a big fan of Momoko's work, and we were talking about how it inhabits a unique space in the art world. How so? Well, as Evie rather beautifully describes it, Momoko's work is functional fine art, a rare combination. It's a perfect singular little sculpture, but it's also a spoon to scoop coffee. It's a piece that has been intricately painted with complex narratives and big ideas, and every millimeter of the surface has been considered. But it's also a box where you can stash your keys and pocket change. Momoko's work contains layers of discovery and delight. She mentions the Japanese concept of matate in our conversation. How do you spell that? M I T A T E. I did a little research on matate and was surprised to find that the term was originally used in relation to poetry in figurative language. But then artists began borrowing the techniques of matate, resulting in images that offered, as one description stated, imaginative, simultaneous, and multiple layers of meaning that coexisted rather than blended. We should definitely link to that from this episode's page on helloatelier.org. We definitely will. Matate also says there is pleasure to be gained from the recognition of the complex linking of seemingly unrelated subjects. Which, perhaps, is why in Momoko's world, thunderstorms are on mugs, astronauts carry planters, and meteorites conceal tiny, hidden worlds. There is a story hidden everywhere. Now, let's have Momoko tell her own story. I start taking art class. Around fourth grade with my friend. It's more like I wanted to hang out with friends <laughs> there. But that place、um, started to teach more academic drawings. So I did like a doodling and also I did academic drawing too.、Mm-hmm. My father liked to draw. 
he think I started to going that art class because he's told me to, but I choose it to go there by myself. He's not the artist, but he like to draw and every now and then we bring the easel and paper and painting outside and go draw like all day and come back. I started using clay from the university after I went to the university. Before that, I never touched clay when I was in high school. They might have like a clay club, but I never participated. But when I was kids, one thing I liked to do was making this mud ball. And I use like a little wet clay and then over it, I put powdered clay and shine it. And I put wet clay again and put powder and you do it several times. And then it starts to get really shiny ball. One day, my father brought a newspaper and somebody else was doing that as a professional. <laughs> and he had it in a wooden small box and shiny um, clay ball like I made was in that box. <laughs> So university, I was in Japan, and I, I got master there. And then after that, I did teach at the community classes. And one was connected to the hotel, and hotel visitor come to take class, one day class, and also the neighborhood, the people in the neighborhood comes to take a class. And I teach there and then I can have a studio there and I can fire as much as I want. So f after a few years, it's, everybody started to get their own studio, but I didn't want it to settle yet. So I thought before that, I thought I should change the environment to see how I can do. And that's when I came to America. The drive to Momoko's studio took us through a maze of green fields dotted with farmhouses and silos, a far cry from her childhood home, the city of Kobe, Japan. Momoko's journey from Japan to Missouri was not a direct one. Her decision to move to America was straightforward enough. Finding a residency? Not so much. Determination and persistence overcame obstacles and rejection. And finally... The fickle hand of chance united her with a gallery in Chicago that truly appreciated her work. I was applying the residency program all over, like all over. <laughs> Everything I see, I just applied it, but I couldn't get anything. But my mind was already set it to go overseas. So I went to uh, my professor and asked him, do you know somebody and he didn't really know anybody, but he just had a conference somewhere and he exchanged a business card with this person. So I write down name and address and everything and I contacted her and that was upstate New York. And I was there for one year as a student. And while I'm there, I was still applying for the residency. And then one in Chicago, they didn't quite get me, and then that place said, oh, I think you're not fit in here, <laughs> but I will introduce you to somewhere else. And that was a little street. So the next day I brought my portfolio there and it was already after deadline, but they looked through and I got accepted. <laughs> so, And that was supposed to be six months at the beginning, but 
I got one year and I got another year there. <laughs> when I was in Chicago, we had a fire in our apartment that started from downstairs neighbor. Our room was upstairs of them, so the firefighter came in and break the ceiling and everything. So we couldn't live there. And it's about the time I finished my residency. I had two more months left. My husband didn't really like Chicago <laughs> in that point. So we decided to move here. We built a house by ourselves. So this was nothing. And the wedding day, we planted the first cherry blossom tree. And then after that, we start building house with his father's help. So during the fire, we stay at different friends' house and we get the idea like, oh, I want to have room like this. I want to have a house. The part, this part is really good, but this part is not so good. <laughs> so we collect all the good part and draw the design and brought it to the architect. I had no idea, <laughs> but eventually we finished it. And few days after we finish our first son born. <laughs> so it was close. I made a sink for the upstairs bathroom and my husband drawed on it. And also I made a light. There's a hallway in upstairs and one side of the hallway, now it's a kid's room, but it used to be a had a projector and it was a movie room and the other side of the hallway was our master bedroom and there's a small studio space that was my husband's studio so when we are watching movie at night he gets an idea and oh I got the idea I, I need to write it down and he turned on the light and go to the master bedroom and he draw and he come back so I wanted to make a lamp for that so I made a fox lamp, and when he turned it on, it shine. the mouse part is open, and it shines a light. And then the shadow says, Eureka. <laughs> I like the way he turned it on, and the Eureka comes out. Momoko's work is interactive way beyond basic functionality. Drink out of one of her mugs, and you might spy a surprise at the bottom of the glass. Place it face down in the dishwasher and you'll be greeted by a delicate design on the bottom. There are beautifully illustrated boxes with sliding lids that reveal another chapter of the story inside. Tiny ceramic figures have movable limbs. And eerie, yet fascinating, head sculptures with gaping eyes display an illustrated story slowly revealed by rotating the components. Each work invites you to pick it up, use it, and be thoroughly entertained. It's a good part and bad part of ceramics that you can make a functional pieces and you can, you can make a sculpture pieces. So many people told me that you should just do it with one thing, but I get bored <laughs> and I have so many things I wanted to make in both functional and sculptural works. So I just go back and forth. When I was in school, I like making bigger sculpture pieces that don't have a function. And I like making it, but after it get dry, it turned to like bone. And it, I like touching clay when it's wet and I like carving and 
uh, decorating and things. But after it get dry, it, it lose the life. And then once you fire it, it get more hard. And, and then even you put the glaze on, it's like the time stops there. And I don't like that part. It's just a feeling that after you complete the high fire, the piece won't go back to clay anymore. The piece won't go back to earth. If I die, the piece is always like that. So you, even you make something that looks like moving, but still it's just stopped there. It's a frozen moment, the time I made, that stopped there. So I wanted to make something. I wanted to add something that will move. In Japan, you use the old tea bowl again and again. And if you get the tea stain, you say, oh, that's a good scene you can see in here. Or if you break, you put together with a kintsugi. And then that will add the history to your piece. So it starts the life after you complete the firing. After somebody have this bowl, then the life will start from there. So I was... I started to get more into that functional work. I have few lines of work. I have more sculpture work and also I have a functional work, but it's more closer to sculpture. And also I try to make things that like just a cup with a drawing on it. Like don't think too much <laughs> about it. I was influenced by the old Japanese art called mitate. You use mitate for the poem or the painting or uh, play or everything. You put different images for one thing. So um, the audience has to, to interact and read that painting by themselves. So I like putting different images for one thing. And then when I start making more functional work, I think about how people touch things. If it's like sliding box, if you have a box, you open it. So it makes action to my work. It's like a flipping a book. You can see the, what's next. And the mitate is you can continue, continue that story or you can also make it completely different images for one thing and make them surprise. And also, if there's something hidden, people will touch it and interact, and people put more effort <laughs> to see the work. That piece there is a failed piece, <laughs> but I started to making things that goes inside and have a hole in outside. And I got an idea from the Japanese old painting called Emaki, is a scroll painting. In Japan, now a lot of houses are like Western style house, but the Japanese style houses have like adobe walls, but we have a space like just a little bit of depths from the uh, Japanese room and you hang the scroll painting there and you change it for the season. Like if you are having the tea ceremony there, you hang the, the seasonal thing. It also have this sideways scroll painting and in the museum it's all flattened 
and you can see everything. If you can touch that scroll painting, uh, the formally you have this big table and you only can see this part of the scroll painting and you roll it, one side you roll it out and one side you roll it in. So it's just, it's a one painting, but it have a time moving. So I wanted to make things like that. I don't want to show everything. I wanted to show just the part and that will move around. Another description I read online about the concept of metate was that it was the spirit of the creative mind having no constraints. And to have no constraints, you need to be open to finding inspiration and delight everywhere. How could you incorporate the sound of a satisfying click into your work? Or maybe the smell of a fresh box of crayons? Momoko stays receptive to these little moments of fascination understanding that they may pop up in her creative process at any time. I don't know, everything you do is important. I like opening doors. <laughs> There's a cartoon called Doraemon in Japan. The Doraemon is a robot comes from the future, but he have a pocket that he can put tool from future to help the people in a present. <laughs> And there's one called Dokodemo Doa. You open it and you can go it wherever you want. But if there's door, you don't know what's in the other side. And I like the, the gap on bottom of the door. You can see the light and you can see, you can see the shadow moving. And we have two cats and their hands sticks out and I see kids are playing this side and cats are trying to get them. So it's a gate, but also it close up and you have to imagine the other side. I try to write down the words in a note. I have so many notes. <laughs> But if I get some words in my head, I try to write it down. If you look up the note, it's like a random word. But sometimes I just pick up this word and this word and make a work. Or I do it with a dictionary too. Like just open the dictionary and I pick this word. And open the dictionary, I pick this word and I put that together. So I think there's a limitation the way I think. I can't get out of how I think. So if I do that, I can get different ideas that I can't come up by myself. We hope you enjoyed this interview with artist Momoko Osami. Be sure to visit helloatelier.org where you'll find our pictures of Momoko's studio and links to her work. Hello Atelier is produced by Phonicalia Media. If you love our show, you can support us on Patreon with a small donation that helps keep us sponsor-free. Or simply give us a rating on your favorite podcast app. Also, don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram where you can live a little Hello Atelier every day.